Hello. I am daily challenged to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding into truth. That's what I put on my orange piece of paper. Hello, I am daily challenged to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding into truth. Did you write something down? When I hand a piece of paper, I don't only challenge myself. I do challenge myself every day when I'm studying. I don't hand out pieces of paper lightly. I hope you don't take them lightly and say, Keith just handed me a piece of paper and I'll throw it in the trash. I challenged everybody to think about what would they put on a piece of paper if they went to a party, a meeting, and they said, you can't put your name on it. That's what I wrote down on Monday for myself. Because I'm daily challenged each and every time I study in my office to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding into truth because I stand up here and present the gospel, the good news to you every week. And I can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. So that was me. Hello, I am. I don't want to sound negative. It's a challenge. Hello, I am. Can we read this verse together? Psalm 5, 8. Let's read it together. On three. One, two, three. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your path straight before me. When I read this psalm a couple weeks ago in a Bible reading, I'm like, that's going to be the psalm of this year for myself. And I hope it's a challenge to all of us because we should pray this every day. Lord, lead me in your righteousness, not my own. Make your path straight before me, before us as a church. We could stop there and be challenged, right? I can say, let's go out and impact the world right now. But I don't want to do that. Because James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, challenged me this week. And I want to bring the challenge to you. So, you see the title there, Consider, Know, and Ask. Those are the three things we're going to look at today. Now, Monday morning, I get in my office, I get through the day, and it was one of the longest days of my life. I got home, I was mentally drained to the core, I was drained, my mind was empty, and I still had to go to elders, deacons, meetings, but I was mentally drained. Monday, I didn't know what I was going to speak on today. I was like, are we going to go to James? Are we going to go to Romans 6? That's why it's up there. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. 
I was in constant study and contemplation and reflection saying, Lord, just lead me. Guide me to what you want me to say this week. It's not my words. Tuesday came around much better. And that's when the verse came up that I remembered, Psalm 5.8. It was a constant encouragement to me. That's why we read it together. Now the message today is going to be a little different. It might be a little different to you, but I hope that you will find encouragement today as we follow the Holy Spirit's leading, that you would be transformed and renewed in your mind like I had to be this week because my mind was gone on Monday. It had to be renewed, and it was. I was drawn... You ever look at your library and your, a shelf of books in your house and just are drawn to a book? Have you ever sensed that? You look at the shelf and you're just like, there's the book you got to pick up. That's what happened Tuesday. I picked up St. Augustine's Confessions. Anybody know when it was written? Anybody have an idea? It was written in the 300s. 397. It's a long time ago. This is a translated version of it. People say it's one of the best English translations of it. But this is how he ends his book. We therefore see these things you have made. This is a confession to God he's writing. This whole book. Because they exist, but for you it is different. They exist because you see them. Moreover, when we see that they exist, we see it outside ourselves. But when we see that they are good, we see it by inner vision. Whereas you see them as created in no other place than where you saw them as non-existent things you willed to create. Once our heart had conceived by your spirit, we made a fresh start and began to act well. Though at an earlier stage we had been impelled to wrongdoing and abandoned you. But you... O God, undivided and good, have never ceased to act well. Some of our works are indeed good, thanks to your gift, capital G, but they will not last forever. But when they are done, we hope that we shall rest in your immense holiness. But you, the supreme good, need no other good and are eternally at rest, because you yourself are your rest." What human can empower another human to understand these things? What angel can grant understanding to another angel? What angel to a human? Let us rather ask of you. Seek in you. Knock at your door. Only so will we receive. Only so find. And only so will the door be opened to us. Amen. Consider, know, and ask. We go to God for those things. We consider something, but we go to God. We know something, but we go to God to see what He says about it. And we ask God for things. That's what we're going to look at today. St. Augustine understood that. The only one that I should be seeking, finding, Knocking at the door is God. I'm going to go to Him. Tuesday, 
James 1, 2 through 8 encourage me a lot. And I hope at the end, I'm going to bring in Romans 6 for the invitation because I made a connection from James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8 to Romans 6 to encourage us as we leave this place. So, if you're ready to come on a journey with me, can you say, let's go? Oh, I need it louder. Here we go. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. I might be reading one or two verses at a time, and then we're going to go through the verses, okay? So here we go. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Remember, James is writing to believers scattered among the nations because of the persecution. So he writes it and he starts it with the word consider it pure joy. Consider, now, if I say these two words, you're probably going to understand it. Miriam Webster. What rings a bell? A dictionary. You're going to hear a lot of definitions today. Because it helps us to understand what these verses are trying to help us do. Okay? So consider. Think about carefully. Gaze on steadily or reflectively. Regard or treat in an attentive or kindly way. Consider it pure joy. Think about it reflectively. Some of your translations may say, count it all joy. Count, you kind of add up everything, and then you make a conclusion. Count, consider, I think is the same concept. You're considering something. Consider it pure joy. You know what joy is? The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Consider it pure joy. So you know what consider means? You know what joy means? Whenever. You know what that one means? At whatever time. Whenever, at whatever time, you face trials of many kinds. These trials, you know what that means? Tests of faith patience, or stamina through subjection to suffering or temptation. Consider it. Think about it reflectively. Count it up. Add everything up. Consider it pure joy that's possessing what you desire. At whatever time you face these tests of faith, these trials, these temptations. Another translation says diverse temptations. That's going way back to the King James. And as a kid, I was like, diverse temptations? You know what diverse temptations are? An indefinite number, more than one. An indefinite number. One writer said, our trials are constantly shifting like a kaleidoscope in motion. Remember that as a kid? Or even now? Is it constantly shifting? Different things here and there. 
trials and temptations come in a variety of forms, do they not? Do they not? They come in a variety of forms. They seem to be part of our life. And when I wrote this down, I was like, I could keep going. But they seem to be a part of our life on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a yearly basis. And what's the next step? A lifetime basis. They're always going to be there. When these trials and temptations come in our path, how do we respond? James urges us to consider it pure joy. You notice James doesn't write, be happy. He doesn't say, be happy during those trials and temptations. Or, I like this phrase, I probably use it sometimes, don't worry, be happy. He doesn't say that. He writes, consider it pure joy. Happiness is temporary. Something happens, you're happy, right? And then the next moment, something happens and you're unhappy. Happiness is temporary. Things make us happy in the moment. Trials and temptations of various kinds don't make us happy, do they? When you go through a trial and temptation, are you happy? I'm going to answer probably for everybody, I hope, no. Right? If I'm going through a trial and a temptation, I'm not happy. But when we focus on the end, remember what joy was? Good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. When you focus on the end, the finish line, the longing for Jesus to return and make things right and new, we can and probably should definitely be joyful when we face these trials and temptations of many kinds. A writer I read this week said it like this, happiness is based on our current situation, while joy is based on our future. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, it's probably one page over in your Bible. It says this at the very end, starting in verse 2, at the very end of verse 2. This is after we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. But it says this, The joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. For the joy that was set before Jesus. He endured the cross. And if you know the story, Jesus, remember, He was in the garden. He was like, Father, if, this is, if there's any way possible, I don't want to go through this. Take it away. Do it some other way. Drops of blood. But then He said, Your will be done. For the joy the joy set before him. The joy. 
Jesus saw the end. He said, I have to do this so that people can be saved from their sins. The joy set before him. We look forward to the day he returns. I know I am. And I believe we can confidently say and hopefully should be saying daily, Come, Lord Jesus. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We can consider it pure joy when we face these trials because we know. There's our second one. Because we know that the testing, you know what testing means? Requiring maximum effort or ability. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Consider it joy because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Even though we're going through these difficult times, this opposition, this failure that we go through sometimes, we can know that it's producing perseverance. By their fruit, you will recognize them, Jesus said. Remember the seed of the word that was sown on different types of soil that I mentioned last week, if you were here? Remember the four different types of soil? The sower went out and sowed seeds. What type of production are we seeing in our lives? What type of fruit are we producing? Is perseverance being produced in our lives? Here it says the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And you may be looking at your Bibles and saying, well, my translation doesn't say perseverance. Raise your hand if you're like that. My translation does not have perseverance in it. Well, I have good news for you. Three other words might help you. Are we ready? Patience, the ability to remain calm and not become annoyed when dealing with problems or with difficult people. Endurance, the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. And steadfastness, not subject to change. So you have four words, perseverance, patience, Endurance, steadfastness. I hope that helps you a little bit. Are you producing those things? Verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God works in ways we may never understand completely. God who started a work in you and in me will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. We must continue 
and continue and continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as the Apostle Paul states. But we must know that it is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill God's good purpose. The path that leads to life is hard and difficult. It is. I was talking to someone earlier in the foyer there, and we mentioned the Christian life is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. But we have the assurance that God is still working in us and through us. We must let God lead us and guide us. There's no other way. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The good shepherd Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus also said, I am the vine. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember Hebrews 12 again, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus, He's divine. We got to be in Him and following Him. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Psalm 5 8 again. We read it earlier, but to remind you lead me into your righteousness, O Lord. Make your way straight before me. We got to be asking ourselves that daily. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds and that temptations that come in your path, consider it. Think about it. Add it all up. And come to a conclusion. Consider it pure joy because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Another thing I was had in my mind while I was sitting here before I came up, it doesn't say if this happens, then you can be joyful. What does it say? Whenever this happens. You know it's coming. It's going to come. The trials, temptations are going to come. And even you can look in your history, in your past, and look at the trials and temptations you've faced. Can you consider it pure joy going through them? And when they come in the future... Are you going to consider it pure joy? Because we know that the testing produces perseverance, patience, endurance, steadfastness. Verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. 
that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Question for you, do any of us lack wisdom? James writes that you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Knowing something is to have understanding of. Wisdom is the understanding of something which causes a course of action. Wisdom goes beyond just knowing and into the doing. James says, ask God if you lack wisdom. Where does true wisdom come from? Keith Mitchell? No. Gerald Hall? No. J.D. Saunders? Does it come from you? He's shaking his head no. Anybody, does it come from you? Where does true wisdom come from? God. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God because you know that He's going to give generously. Did you catch that? You should ask God who gives generously. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom. They don't even want to have anything to do with wisdom. God provides wisdom to those who ask Him. But there's a however. However. You must ask without doubting. We must believe that God will provide. If we ask Him properly, we are unstable in all we do. And we are like waves of the sea that are tossed by the wind. When there is doubt, don't expect anything from the Lord. You ever go to the shoreline and you see all the waves crashing? That's what we're like if we doubt when we ask God for wisdom. I want you to go over to Luke. If you have your Bibles, go over to Luke. Luke chapter 11. He writes about a generous God as well. Look what Luke writes. Chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's where St. Augustine got his finishing lines from this verse. Verse 11, Which of you fathers, I'm a father, so I, this hits me even more right now. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Sounds like a generous God to me. 
how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the Apostle Paul's prayer to the believers at Ephesus. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. What does James say? If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously. Remember my hello, I am? I'm daily challenged to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding into truth. That's the spirit of wisdom. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, can we get true wisdom? I don't know. Later there'll be an invitation. If you know Jesus and confess Him as Lord, you're going to get that gift, the Holy Spirit. So what did we do today? Consider it pure joy when you face trials and temptations of many kinds. Know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Ask God without doubt, believing He will generously give you wisdom. And now remember, James did not believe in Jesus at the beginning. He grew up with Jesus. He knew what Jesus was doing, but he didn't believe. But I believe he made a switch when he was met by Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. And then James became a pillar of the church in Jerusalem. And he wrote this letter to encourage believers to live out their faith in Jesus, the one he didn't believe in at the beginning. Not just to live out their faith, but because Jesus is who they love and follow. He wants the believers to say, because you love Jesus so much, you're going to follow Jesus and do what Jesus wants you to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. There's the Holy Spirit again. James a servant of Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. And then he consider, no, ask. What an opening paragraph. What an opening section to a letter that's all about getting wisdom, understanding what God wants us to do, and following Jesus and then going out and living it out. That's what James is all about. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? 
This is when Romans 6 came to my mind. Romans 6. This may be hard to hear, but this is what it says. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to point some things out here. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. First point I want to make for the invitation. Do you remember the time when you said yes to Jesus? Do you remember going into the water and whoever did it dunked you? And you were like, are they going to carry me back up? But then you were raised to a new life. I was 12 years old when that happened. My dad baptized me. He didn't keep me under a little longer. He, he, he quickly got me back up. But I remember. I follow. I'm following Jesus. But you know what else I remembered? You were raised to a new life, but I remember whoever was there sitting in a pew, they clapped and they started singing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Do you remember that time? Like I mentioned earlier, the Christian life is hard. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. We have each other. This is the part that got me, though, on Romans 6. I read it Monday, and I was, remember, mentally drained. But this stuck out to me, and then the end stuck out to me. In the same way, verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Grace. Sin doesn't have mastery over us anymore. The grace of God has come to save us from sin. Going back to December, the angels to the shepherds, this news will cause joy to all people. Jesus, the Savior, is born. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. At the very end, drop down to the very end. 
verse 22 and 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. James understood that. James understood that he was set free from sin. And he wrote the letter saying, Believers, this is what I want you to know. I've experienced this. I didn't believe in Jesus at the beginning. But I'm writing this letter to encourage you all to live out your faith. Today we only looked at three things. Consider, know, ask. But that section that we studied today sets it up the whole rest of the letter. And you'll know why, because there's a lot of trials, temptations that come but we got to consider it joy. There's a lot of opposition that will come. There's a lot of choices we have to make. We have to ask God for wisdom. And to be honest, I'm probably asking for wisdom every single day. Because I sit in my office, I open my Bible to the passage I'm studying for the week, And I say, God, give me wisdom because you know what else I'm thinking about in my mind? All of you. Your names come to my mind. As I'm reading what I'm trying to study and trying to do the best I can to explain it and encourage you, I say, God, give me wisdom, and then I'm studying, you know, James chapter 1. I'm like, James, a servant of Jesus, okay, consider it pure joy. And then it's like, oh, Jody comes to my mind. Ralph comes to my mind. Sonia, Fred, Monica, the Strattons, all of them. The Waldrons, the Hansons, all of them. Bill, the Wilsons in the back, the Essexes. J.D., the Halls, Andersons, Barons, Brenda, the Russells, all of them. The Mitchells, my, even my family come to my mind. I'm sorry if I miss somebody. I'm really sorry. Verna Beth, I see you. You come to my mind. Troops, you come to my mind. Sackets come to my mind. Jenny, you come to my mind. My friends that don't even come to this church come to my mind. My family comes to my mind. And I'm asking God for wisdom every single day. Because I want to be the example Because I'm daily challenged to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding into truth. And I have a comment for you 
and a challenge for yourself. If you hear something from this pulpit that you're like, whoa, I did, you said that kind of wrong, talk to me. I'm not perfect. But wisdom, I ask for it every day. And I struggle at my desk. Sometimes I have to walk around and be like, I got to get away from these books. I got to get away from the Bible even because I'm struggling. Remember Monday, mentally drained. Tuesday, better day because why am I studying the Bible? And what, what's the first verse I'm studying? Consider it joy. when trials of many kinds come. Knowing that the testing of my faith produces perseverance. I see the end. I hope you see the end. And I already touched it. I'm asking God for wisdom every day. Because I want to be the example that you need me to be. If I'm not learning, I'm not going to speak it from the pulpit. If I get up Sunday morning and I'm like, I didn't study, I didn't learn it on my own, so I can't bring it. You might get a call from me and be like, can you preach today? I know that wasn't much of an invitation, but... I hope that you're encouraged by James. I know I am. Lead me into your righteousness, Lord. Make your way straight before us. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Your Spirit is with us. Your Spirit leads and guides. Thank you for James and the letter he wrote to believers, encouraging them to live out their faith. I pray that if there's one here today that says, I don't know Jesus, but I want to, I pray that they would come and ask questions and that they would just continue to learn how to be a follower of you. Help us as followers of Jesus to not just say we're followers of Jesus, but help us to live out our faith and to live out what Jesus wants us to live out in this world. Thank you for our listening ears that were hopefully attentive today. Guide us and lead us into your truth. Make your way straight before us. And help us to encourage each other because the Christian life is hard and difficult. We need encouragement every day. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray.
Amen.